continue. Key point number two. When you follow God's plan by faith, look for God to do something extraordinary through the ordinary. God will often affirm your decisions after you make them by faith. You may not always recognize it right away, but God will affirm and he will let you know you've made the right decision. But let's pick up chapter 6. That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king. That sounds like a good plan for insomnia, doesn't it? And it was found written that Mordecai had told Bithana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. And then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is that in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. I don't want you to miss this. Even though we have to be patient, even though God says, now's not the time, wait. I want you to recognize that Satan is going to attempt to make a move while we are delaying, while we are waiting, while we are in that moment of just simply being patient. Satan is going to do everything that he can to move during that moment. So for this reason, we should always be on high alert. Now is not the time to let down your guard. Now, Satan's move was crafty. Understand that. Here's what happens. You know, she goes, Esther goes in, right? She's like, um, let's come back to a banquet tomorrow. Satan sees that opportunity. Oh, it's going to be tomorrow. I've got time. I've got time to work. I've got time to interrupt things. So what does he do? He was right at work with Mordecai. And he was like, I'm going to, or right at work with Haman. And I'm going to make sure that Mordecai doesn't even live until that banquet. That he's executed before the banquet even takes place. And Haman can merrily make his way to the banquet. Hmm. But did you notice God's next move? God says, oh, you, Satan, it's like the... These pawns moving on a chessboard, right? You know, Satan moves and says, Ha, I'm going to beat you to the punch. I've got gallows made, and Mordecai's going to hang on them. And then God comes along and says, Yeah, but I have the ability to keep the king awake. I not only have the ability to keep him awake and keep him from sleeping, I have the ability to divinely have him request a book that is going to bring up those three little verses that we mentioned from chapter 2. And they're going to read that to him. And then he's going to ask this question, what did we ever do for Mordecai for saving my life? (laughs) So here's the thing. We see all of this and we see God, you know, Satan makes his move and then God comes along and trumps it. God comes along and does something else. Remember how I said in previous weeks, that even though God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, that his fingerprints are all in it, this is what I'm talking about. This type of thing is what I'm talking about. When 
when Mordecai initially said, Esther, you need to go in, and if you don't, trust me on this, God's people are going to be protected from some other source. What was he saying? That the rescue is going to come from some other way, and God is going to be faithful to his promise. Now, he never used the name God. God's word is, God's name is never mentioned in the book of Esther. But what was he saying? God is going to protect his people. When we get to this narrative, and we see the king can't sleep, who else could that be? But God. The fingerprints of God are at work. Haman plans on meeting with the king early the next morning. So God makes his move by not allowing the king to sleep. And then God not only keeps him awake, but makes him read the official books where Mordecai saved the king's life. So I've got a question for you. Have you ever experienced the fingerprints of God in your own life? Praise God for the moments where his hand and his fingerprints are upon you and your family. For the things that he's done that maybe just seem ordinary. Not able to sleep. But in your inability to sleep, perhaps it's in that moment that that God is at work doing something. I've discovered a long time ago that in those moments where I'm just suddenly awake at 2 o'clock in the morning, my father-in-law taught me this. He said, he said, listen, he said, in those moments, start to pray. And maybe just begin by saying this, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak. And maybe sometimes just in that 2 o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep, God has something to reveal to you, something to say to you. So let me encourage you to look for those fingerprint moments where God is using something that's ordinary, an inability to sleep, but he's going to do something extraordinary through it. Let's pick up, back up verse 5. The king's servant said to him, uh, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in. The king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? (laughs) Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, uh, For the man whom the king delights to honor, uh, let a royal robe be uh, brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, uh, which a a royal crest placed upon his head. Uh, Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, That he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square. And and proclaim before him. Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And the king said to Haman. Hurry. Take the robe and the horse. Just as you have suggested. And do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Let nothing be undone that you have spoken. You wonder what, you wonder what Mordecai's face looked like? You wonder what, what expression he had? I tell you what, what comes to mind. This is what comes to mind for me. Are you kidding me? That, I just pictured this deadpan. All this time. 
All this time, Haman had this, I thought you were going to talk about me. I thought I was the one that you wanted to honor. This is my sworn enemy. This is who I'm supposed to take around and declare. Pick back, back up verse 11. So Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Now, I'm not really sure what the inflection was on how that's supposed to be read, but that's how I'm reading it. That's how I sense. I mean, seriously, I doubt that, that Haman had the same enthusiasm as he did when he was presenting this before the king. I mean, when he thought it was going to be him, he is going, oh, and I would do this, and I would do this, and it's with such jubilee and excitement. And now, now it's Mordecai. Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Pick up verse 12. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his horse, mourning, and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall uh, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Every single chapter just leaves you hanging there, right? It's like, what is next? But listen, I want you to understand this. When you accept Christ into your life, do you realize what an advocate you have? Do you realize... Who is going before you on your behalf, before the king, before our Lord? Do you realize that that Christ goes before our heavenly father continually on our behalf? Do you realize who is on your team? Do you realize who you have in Christ playing on your side? And you can say, oh, I know because he is on my team Victory is guaranteed. It's kind of like, you remember in grade school when the, the team captains were picking sides, they were picking their teammates, and they're going, well, I picked Chris, and I picked... There were two things at play. One is you didn't want to be the last one picked, right? And then the other thing was everybody knew who was the first person to be picked. You may have seen this commercial. I'll take Barkley. Yes, I still got it. I told you she picked me first. Yep, even easier than that. <laughs> even easier than that. That's how it should be with Christ. Even easier than that. You want somebody on your team? It looks Barkley's great for basketball. But you want somebody on your team for life? For, for the everyday, ordinary, living life stuff? You want Christ on your team. It should be that obvious. It should be that easy to say yes to Christ. Because when God is on your team, you have an advocate like no other. 